0: My name is Jill Phillips and I'm the creator of Who's Shoes, a popular approach to co-production. I was named as an HSJ100 wildcard and want to help give a voice to others, talking about their ideas and experiences. I'll be chatting with people from all sorts of different perspectives, walking in their shoes. If you are interested in the future of healthcare and like to hear what other people think, or perhaps even contribute at some point, Who's Shoes wildcard is for you. It's Halloween and of course Halloween is scary and exciting and for many people innovation and creativity are scary too so it was brilliant when my friend Rachel Wong suggested that we link the two and do a special Halloween edition of the podcast. Rachel's a friend from the cricket club she's a truly fascinating person every time I meet her I discover more about her She's the chair of the Edgebaston Foundation, the official charity of Warwickshire County Cricket Club. She does wonderful community and fundraising work. She's the author of many children's books, including some really innovative work during the pandemic. So it's my great pleasure to have you on the podcast today, Rachel. Can you tell us a bit more about yourself and what's important to you? And should we be scared?
1: Thanks, Jill. It's lovely to be here. And uh, I think we move quite quickly, don't we? We literally came up with this idea yesterday on Twitter with a bit of uh, to-ing and fro on Twitter. And here we are today recording uh, this interview. So uh, we're, we're still agile, despite all our experience in life, put it that way. So, yes, a bit more about me. Um, as you say, I chair the foundation at Edgebaston, which is very much about the community arm of Warwickshire County Cricket Club. Thinking about the well-being of our community, social inclusion, and using the resources that are Edgebaston to for the benefit of it of its community, which is something we're all very passionate about at Edgebaston. So, so that that takes up quite a bit of time, but also, as you say, I've um, written seven children's books mainly about cricket and about football so three about football four about cricket and trying to get that dialogue between the classroom and the playground so that children who really enjoy playing sport would also pick up a book if it was about a sport that they enjoyed and likewise children who enjoy reading would then be inspired perhaps by the content of the book and think oh I'll go and pick up a cricket bat and and try cricket because I enjoyed that book so yes that that's me really
0: And I think you're underplaying it because I didn't know anything about the book that you wrote with the children during the pandemic because I thought that was amazing. Yes. Now, that was a
1: real experience. And when we talk about creativity and innovation, yes, I've, I've actually got that in my notes to talk about later, but I'll give you a bit of a teaser. It's called Palmo to the Rescue. And it was a book that actually started as a series of videos during lockdown on the Facebook page of the Literacy Trust um, in Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough Reads Facebook page. And we did a story, a story spread over a week in five chapters. And not only did we do it on Facebook, but we did it interactive. So at the end of the day, the children, when they read one chapter, could actually make suggestions of what they wanted included in the next chapter the next day. So it was a good job we were in lockdown because literally I was spent all evening and some part of the night redrafting and re-recording the episode for the next day based on what the children had suggested. And when they said things like they walked down the street and met a Brazilian crazy golfer you're thinking this is a story about a family in lockdown in Middlesbrough and you know you're really pushing the boundaries of what I can include in this book but you know I managed to get most of it in including the Brazilian crazy golfer so there we are.
0: Oh, it's such a wonderful story and I think that's part of how we've connected and become friends Rachel because that whole kind of like crowdsourcing and organic and sort of see what happens make it up as you go along so you jumped into my Advent series I seem to remember telling that story last year yes. and jfdi you know like our conversation leading to this podcast let's just do it and that's probably one of our key lemon light bulbs for the session so we've got various halloween themes haven't we rachel yes So we've got ghosts i believe what what are the ghosts about
1: so yes uh, ghosts i thought were my theme here was don't be scared of the ghosts of past failures so, you know, a little bit like the Christmas carol, you know, you could lie in bed not wanting to do anything because you're being visited by all these ghosts who are saying, well, that didn't work in the past. And, you know, that was a disaster. And, and what's the point of doing anything? And I think my point here was don't don't things that haven't gone well. Sometimes it's actually not even your fault that something hasn't gone well. It's that circumstances were against you. Perhaps it was a great project, but it was just the sense that the timing wasn't right or the audience wasn't ready for it. And, you know, my feeling is if you believe in your idea or your product to keep going and to look positively and think, well, why didn't that work last time? What can I learn from it rather than just being scared by that ghost of, of a past failure or something that hasn't worked as well as you wanted it to? So, yes, that was my first Halloween theme <laughs> of, you know, don't, don't worry, these aren't really ghosts. It's just somebody in a sheet and actually it's fine it's fine. Just keep going.
0: Brilliant. And sometimes they're just imaginary ghosts, aren't they? They're, we haven't even done it yet. But we've got that voice that whatever on our shoulders telling us it's going to fail before it even has a chance. So yes, we don't want any ghosts, do we, Rachel? No,
1: no. And the other thing I was thinking about when I was thinking around this, there's a lot of people out there in the world. I mean, JK Rowling is the classic example of people who you know at first they were they weren't successful they they had their ideas rejected but they kept being persistent and were resilient. And I think I read the same about the chap who who wrote the Squid Game, which is very popular at the moment, the series. I read that he had submitted it to various, the idea to various studios and production companies and nobody had, had taken it up until somebody finally did. And now it's a massive success. So there's lots of examples out there about people who haven't been haunted by ghosts of past experiences and have cracked on and and been successful.
0: Fantastic! So let's now put on our Halloween costumes. What we're we going to do here? Yes.
1: So Halloween costumes, my second theme, and was actually inspired by thinking about my own children and the differences between them as people, and and how I reacted to them, and particularly through their choice of Halloween costume. So my my eldest, my daughter, her her choice of Halloween costume was always something like the Grim Reaper. Um, something very scary, probably carrying some weapon that involved beheading or garrotting or something like that, because, you know, that is the person that she is. She wants to bowl cricket balls very fast and, and generally be quite scary. Whereas my son is a completely different character, um, dressed as a pumpkin always for Halloween. You know, he's quite happy to sit with you and have an intellectual conversation about something, loves his food, you know, tastes for the finer things in life. And so I thought the difference between the Grim Reaper and the pumpkin here, people will choose a different Halloween costume. So what does that tell us about people? Well, people are different and it would be very boring if everybody came to our Halloween party in the same costume. So let's think about why people do that and the differences between them and and how we react to people that some people by by trying on their halloween costume and walking in it for a while what does that tell us about how they're feeling about a particular project about change or challenge or innovation that by actually putting ourselves in their halloween costume and thinking okay i understand why they're feeling about that because from where they're looking at it you know, I can see that, that they've got a different viewpoint and they're worried about X, Y or Z and then being able to sort of understand that and appreciate the difference in people. that you know, not everybody, certainly not everybody thinks the same way as I do. And and I, I totally accept that. So. Uh, so, yes, it's been able to work with people, try on their Halloween costume and uh, and think about things from their perspective.
0: And of course, that's a massive link to my work. So Whose Shoes is all about looking at issues from different people's perspectives and walking in their shoes and then the magic. And we'll talk a bit more about magic that can come from that. And the lemon light bulbs in terms of suddenly realising that somebody isn't just being awkward, perhaps they're scared or they've just got a different experience. And we need to listen, that like really listen and then together work out what we can do. So in terms of what we're going to do, I think, Rachel, it's time for us to go on a bit of a trick and treat here. Yes, definitely. So
1: (laughs) trick or treat. Well, my thoughts on this uh, were I don't know whether this is the same everywhere, but certainly around where we live and um, people are very conscious that some people are not into Halloween at all, and other people love it. So the sort of signal around here is having some sort of pumpkin or light or candle outside your house, which symbolises to the children in the neighbourhood, yes, this is a house to come to for Halloween, please, you know, please visit this house. And, and people around here are quite good at sort of spotting the houses with the with the pumpkin outside or the or the signal to guide their children towards those houses. And so I thought, well, in life when we're dealing with change and innovation and challenge i think well let's knock on the doors that have a pumpkin outside because those are the people who are probably very willing to work with us and so we've got the greatest chance of getting somewhere having some success with that and and that brings me on to the next thing which is curtain twitching so i'm a real believer in curtain twitching in in business in life
0: in, in every work <laughs> i love job. the concept of
1: curtain yes, twitching so i really do you can go to somebody with an idea and they go oh, not really not for me not the right time so then you go to somebody else and it works really well and the first person's like twitching their curtains going hmm, actually that's worked quite well with so and so down the road well, well actually we'd like to talk to you about that that's that's a good idea and so it's this concept of curtains twitching and people seeing something working whereas they perhaps weren't ready for it before but then perhaps they they look out of their window they see everybody having fun on Halloween and children you know having a great time and and decide to you know next year put their pumpkin out and join in so because they've twitched their curtains and seen that it was it was a good thing and they wanted to do it and I think carrying that on into uh, our everyday lives into business and the way we work is, is sometimes quite a positive way to look at things.
0: And of course, that's where innovation and creativity comes in, doesn't it? And the permission for adults to have fun as well, not just the children, because that's what unites all of us, really. And I think if we can draw people in and be seen to be having some fun, to be be seen to be connecting and having this community, it's human to want to be part of that. I was thinking of what you were saying just then with the curtain twitches and how my work works when it's exactly that that we kind of draw people in they look and they sort of see what's happening and they want to be part of it I suppose a bit of a problem for me a bit of a nightmare on the other side is in terms of perhaps senior people who want to roll something out and they feel that they want to plant a whole field of pumpkins as and scale them up before there's any fun or engagement at all. And that doesn't work either. So our approach is very much a kind of grassroots, draw people in. I love the way you've described it. Curtain twitchers will live with me from from now on. (laughs) (laughs) And Twitter brings some fantastic curtain twitchers. You know, that you get the lurkers on Twitter very appropriately. You know, they're not necessarily tweeting, but... They can be watching what you're doing for a long time and then jump in, and that's yes. exciting.
1: Yes, definitely,
0: definitely. So we, we need some equipment, I think, now, Rachel. We need some dragons and witches and wands and a bit of magic, those sort of things. Yes,
1: yes. So, so my next thought was around wands and dragons in particular that are quite recent additions to Halloween and show how Halloween has managed to adapt and develop and and add new things, that the idea of Halloween has sort of rolled with contemporary ideas and contemporary uh, programs and films, for example. So we've added dragons with Game of Thrones. We've added wands and wizards with Harry Potter. So 20, 30 years ago, you wouldn't have had either of those things being so mainstream in Halloween. But we've, we've sort of taken what's going on in society and we sort of run with it and rolled with it and adapted it and kept innovating. And, and I quite I like that idea. And going back to the book I was telling you about Palmo to the Rescue that we did in Middlesbrough with Middlesbrough Reads team, it started off as Facebook videos. And then the lady, Ali Potter, who's at Middlesbrough Reads, realised that by Putting the text of the story into a booklet during lockdown, she was then able to create a book, if you like, with spaces for children to make their own illustrations. So while a lot of them weren't getting learning at school, this could be something that could be given to schools and and children could read the story. So they were still engaged in literacy. They could also draw their own illustrations and pictures. So they were using their imagination And so she did that and she actually then worked together with her colleagues in social services and Middlesbrough Council paid for, I think it was 500 copies of this booklet to be produced and given to children specifically who had a social worker. So those children who perhaps most at risk of not having any education at home during that time were, were given this book. And it was also given to schools as well. So we had a lot of school children reading this book. And then from there, we went, well, they're loving illustrating this. Let's have a competition. So from there, a month later, suddenly we we're having a competition for all the illustrations. We had over, well over 100 um, entries. And then we produced actually a proper book in time for Christmas, which then was a bit of a fundraiser for Middlesbrough Reads. And obviously, the children had their own illustrations in the book. So the book was entirely illustrated by the children. So not only had the children input to the story, but they'd also done all the illustrations for the book. So that was one thing. I started as a very simple set of five videos, five chapters in May on Facebook. And by Christmas, it was a book with all the children's illustrations. in. so just really rolling with an idea, not being scared to sort of run with it, pick it up, chuck it about, decide what to do with it and end up with something that's, probably a little bit different from what you started off with, but was brilliant, was was just a great experience for everybody involved.
0: And how special for those children to have their illustrations in that book. What a fantastic thing for them to have for the future. And I, And the link obviously back with the NHS, I saw some of the illustrations that were so lovely in terms of the rainbows and supporting and appreciating the NHS workers.
1: Yes, and not only that, but also it was very much about lockdown and the life of a family in lockdown. So it was actually, as well as that, a historical document for children and written by children with ideas from children about what it was like for children in lockdown. And I think in years to come, that will be quite powerful for other children to read. This is what it was like for these twins, a boy and a girl, aged 11 in lockdown and that story, I think, will be quite powerful, almost like as a historical document, as well as a hopefully
0: engaging story for them. Yes, it's so authentic and so captured at that moment in time. I think it's yes. really special.
1: And I think the voice of children is quite often lost. During the pandemic, I did notice that. And and it must have been very difficult for children to think, none of this I can relate to. And nobody seems to be looking at this from my perspective. So, that was one of the aims of the book as well, to to give children a voice to talk about their experience during the pandemic and lockdown.
0: And I think that whole thing of going with the flow and seeing what evolves and using creative methods, that's something we've very much got in common, I think. And, you know, I know with our work, I don't know what people think about our lemons and our magic and our fun we got into stellar stories. I don't know if you know stellar stories. They're a brilliant way of just capturing little bits of text and photos and videos. And I wrote a stellar story, the fundamentals of change with fun and, you know, building on lemons and it starts off with the children's experience at Christmas and how they, they like fun, but kind of moving on to don't we all like fun? So it's very much the kind of thread of what we're saying here, I think. And Magic mates. So my magic mate Florence Wilcock, who is my kind of partner in crime on the maternity experience project, she started a podcast. She started to write blogs, and we actually did a stellar story for our reports for NHS England. So we'd done a big project, a, a formal funded project together called Nobody's Patient, and we knew that as part of the requirement, we had to do a monthly report to NHS England we did it as a stellar story and loads of people read them and nobody had told us we couldn't do it as a stellar story. So that's what we did.
1: Brilliant. We could
0: have assumed there was a rule. I think no rules is, is another key message, isn't it? Definitely. Definitely. Yes. Yes.
1: And I think that brings quite neatly on to the, to the last point, which I've, I've just put my, you know, my fifth point about Halloween is just terror. So, what, what is the point of, of Halloween? What is it actually all about? And I think on a first glance, you would say, well, it's about scaring people and, uh, you know, creating a bit of terror and havoc and everything. But underneath that, I think Halloween, all of that is a means to an end. And the, it is a means by creating some spooky fun of actually connecting with people, and spending time with family, friends, having some fun, as you say, so fun very much being the theme of it. So actually something quite different from what, what you think it is initially. And that by being a means to an end, the end game is really important. The outcome is really positive in terms of spending more time with your community, you know, friends in your neighbourhood, rather than actually focusing on the scary stuff itself. And And so I think quite a lot of that is is the same with change and innovation. They are means to an end. And the end is always a better outcome. That's what we're obviously working. Otherwise, there's no point in innovating or making change if you're not actually trying to, attempting to make make things better. So it's that focus on the end game, which is the outcome rather than the process. Um, and, And again, going back to what you said about bringing people together, I'm always struck when I go somewhere like the British Museum, when you look through the galleries or things that have survived from thousands of years ago, a lot of them are, you know apart from the weaponry, but a lot of them are ceremonial bowls, cutlery jewelry brooches they are It's essentially party wear from thousands of years ago, so it shows us that thousands of years ago people felt that same need to come together to mark occasions to celebrate to be together as a community. And and those are the things that were important enough to build out of materials that would last for thousands of years. So I do think it's something within us, definitely, that as an individuals and communities, we do have that need and that wish to come together. And I think that's great. And I think Halloween is, is basically just another opportunity to do that.
0: I agree. And I think that in terms of community and the power of social media, so obviously coming together in person, you know, Halloween, it would be local, it would be with your family and with your friends. But we're so lucky now to be able to connect with people who've got shared interests through social media, through technology. And I know with our work, pretty much anything that people come up with, we ask, we kind of invite people to make pledges as to what they're personally going to do to take kind of like individual responsibility because everybody is passionate about something. And if we can link them with other people who've got that specific shared interest, then it's supportive and it's fun. And we see them not only coming together for work but making friendships because they've got the same thing that they're trying to achieve together and then they become a little bit bolder and it all becomes much easier and they're not so scared. Definitely,
1: definitely. I love social media um, and I've made some really good friends through social media I have my friends who I see in person quite a lot, and my friends who I interact with on social media quite a lot, and you know I feel they're both friends in the same way. We both have I have a connection, if you like, with both groups, and and I really enjoy that. Really enjoy that aspect to my life. We don't nowadays. We don't often live very close to the people who are closest to us. And and I think it's brilliant that social media has just brought us all closer together that distance doesn't really distance doesn't really matter anymore, does it?
0: And I think that just brought us full circle, Rachel, in terms of the agility, the speed with which we came together to put this podcast together, and you tweeting your wonderful room on the Zoom, <laughs> which I just thought was off the scale of brilliance. <laughs> The witch was in lockdown with some gin and her cat, and a big box
1: of chocolates that was making her fat. All I want is to fly every day on my broom, being grounded like this just fills me with gloom. Try Zoom, said her friends, come join and have fun, fire up your laptop, let's get this thing done. She logged on politely, then eagerly said, as she pulled the hat firmly down on her head, I am a witch, as keen as can be, is there room in the Zoom? For a witch like me, yes," cried her friends. "Fill your glass up with gin. Pull up a chair. Let the party begin." Yes, yeah. Room on the Zoom was was created during lockdown. Again, it was just <laughs> one afternoon, feeling creative, and it was probably my favourite book that I read to the children when they were younger. And suddenly, I just had this moment of this connection between room on the broom and room on the zoom and then suddenly decided to work around that and see what i came up with but yes i mean basically i think that was probably just over 24 hours ago that we had that little exchange on twitter (laughs) and now we've just recorded a podcast on it
0: that's pretty good that's pretty good (laughs) and i think that that sums up what we're trying to say to people jfdi just do it Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you so much, Rachel. It's been brilliant.
1: Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Jill.
0: I hope you have enjoyed this episode. If so, please subscribe now to hear more of these fascinating conversations on your favourite podcast platform. And please leave a review. I tweet as whose shoes. Thank you for being on this journey with me. And let's hope that together we can make a difference.